Hey, Terry, how have you been, man? How you doing? I shit in a bag yesterday. Oh, good heavens. Well. Yeah, how are you doing? I mean, I guess now that you've told me that, I'm doing pretty good. That That's not happening to me. Our toilet broke, and, uh, you know, our apartment's only got one toilet, so we had to wait for the plumber to come bring a new bowl and install it. I made it a day and a half. Sick. And then, you know, all the chili that I had from the day before just really caught up with me, and uh, I couldn't sit on the bowl because it was cracked. So I had to kind of, like, balance myself on the tub, and um, I had to put my, my genitals into the uh, deli store bag as I shat into it. It, um, it was gross, and then I threw it away so that I didn't attract roaches. So my wife is pretty cool, the coolest woman that I've ever met, to be honest. Um, we're watching Seinfeld last night, and it was an episode where George is eating while he's having sex. It only gets too far because he decides to listen to sports radio while he's eating and having sex. So I got to say, it had been a long time since I'd seen that episode, and I hadn't even thought of introducing food into sex. Like, and I'm not talking about, yes, I've, I've done whipped cream and all that stuff. But that's not food. Like, I don't want to sit down and just have a bowl of whipped cream. Would I like to try to think of something that's not extraordinarily messy? Because taco was the first thing that popped into my mind, but that's filthy. Burritos as well. He kept eating sandwiches, and I don't think that that's something that I would want. Okay, so me personally, I could see myself eating chicken nuggets while having sex. So I turned to her as we're watching it. I was like, what if I wanted to have something to eat while we were having sex? She didn't say much. She seemed um, pretty against the idea. Felt like it was a bit disrespectful, to which I said, okay, but what if I was like eating a chicken nugget and I used it to sop up all of your sweat and juices and ate the chicken nugget. And she was still like, no. So, Which is just a shame to me because that sounds like it could be either really sensual or gross. It all depends on how you feel about chicken nuggets, I guess. Um, I can think of one time somebody licked all the sweat off my face and I remember in the moment thinking what the fuck kind of freak but then for years after that as I thought back on it I was like you know what that was some of the freakiest shit that's ever happened I mean good for her good for me one day I'll update if I ever end up sneaking a chicken nugget into bed <laughs> Also, while it's still fresh on my spirit, uh, I would like to remember a time that I basically time-traveled. And, okay, so it's one night, I'm in an old neighborhood. I honestly don't remember if I shared this story, so I'm going to try to do the shorter version just in case. Um, I'm partying at a friend's sister's place. She lived in our apartment complex at the time I lived with my friend Nelson and Kevin. We go down, hang out, 
everybody's drinking uh, fireballs, which I forget how you make them, but you set it on fire and they were crazy strong. And for a little while, the three of us really enjoyed going over to our friend's sister's place and just hanging out, drinking these incredibly strong fire drinks and then coming back because it was a very short walk back to our apartment. So I leave and I forget why I left early. Might have been like generally if I feel like I'm too drunk, I will just bounce. Uh, and I love an Irish goodbye. But I didn't give the Irish goodbye in this particular party. I say goodbye to everybody. I leave. I trip. I get up. And I continue walking back to our apartment. When I get to our apartment, everyone has beaten me there. And I was like, how the hell did you guys beat me from her apartment? And they were like, dude, that was like three hours ago. And we've been trying to like call you. We didn't know where you were. Because again, it was like a four, maybe five minute walk between the apartments and it was a straight line so what we all figured happened was when I tripped I passed out and so I was just sleeping on a little patch of grass in the middle of an apartment community and everyone who left walked past me to get to the apartment and they just totally missed me because of the fact that I guess I was just totally like blended into the grass, camouflaged, if you will. So that was the night that I time traveled. I know that I can't be the only one that misses the goodness that was to catch a predator. Some things are meant to be temporary like fidget spinners and those rolly shoes that Dane Cook used to wear in a movie Heelys that's what they were called but catching pedophiles that sounds like a lifelong gig like something that doesn't ever go away like the electricity bill Right? I don't know. I got a whole lot of fun out of watching all those pedophiles get caught just as like a guy. I can almost picture their frustration. Like, you've been talking up some child. You finally got the green light. And it's like, all right now. This is about to step from uh, a fantasy that I was pretty sure I would never get to live out to a heinous crime that I am actually about to do. I'm going to make this child love me. And then you get there. You got all your snacks. Now, I personally like to prepare uh, for a really good time, and I'm not just talking about sex. Like, let's say that I'm going to the amusement park tomorrow. I miss being able to get a whole bunch of weed together, maybe even some shrooms, then making sure that I have something that I'm really going to want to eat. Like in a perfect world, I would have a lot of drugs and hallucinogens for the amusement park. And I would probably have a brand new burrito 
from whichever place you love the most. For me, it's either going to be Dos Toros or just in the name of grabbing a burrito and going. Sure, I would go to Chipotle. But because, again, this is like in an ideal world, I'm going to Chipotle back in like 2002 when it was a football that you had to carry with two hands. Anyway, I could talk about that forever. Um, And then, I don't know, maybe like just bringing my Nintendo Switch if I'm bored because in this scenario, I'm not driving. I get to like relax, play a little Cuphead or something. That's how I would prepare for the amusement park. And some of these pedophiles would show up with, you know, like some wine coolers, right? Maybe a pack of cigarettes, get that young kid smoking. Mm. And then maybe, I don't know, flavored condoms or whatever sexual thing that they're intending to use. But the thing is, like, okay, now bringing it back to sex away from the amusement park. If I was super excited about the first time sleeping with somebody, I'm not going to really go all out. Because first of all, when you plan it, for me anyway, seems to not actually come true. So it would just be my luck. Like, it's not a kid, but I get to some woman's house, and I'm like, this is it. As a matter of fact, no. Okay, so I went to this woman's house uh, when I first moved to New York, and we had been on, let's say, four or five dates. She was a classy woman. Yes, we had kissed, but... In the back of my mind, bear in mind, this is me brand new to the city. I'm like, man, I am ready to fuck somebody from New York. So I get to finally come to her house. And in my mind, because it's like a Saturday afternoon, in my mind, I'm fucking. I get there. First of all, there is what appears to be a dead homeless person right near her place. It was Harlem. And I I look at the homeless person, and I was like, I am in the wrong place. But I've already come from Midwood all the way up to Harlem. I'm not turning around because her place is literally across the street from this dead body. So I go in. I remember going up to her place, her asking me to come down to the courtyard. We sat out there and talked for a while, went back upstairs to her place and you know what I'll go ahead and take fault for this because I think I was kissing too hard I was kissing like somebody who was trying to burst out of his clothes and have sex so much so that she told me so and she was like hold on a second you're 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 being way too aggressive and I was like you're right I apologize and then we have a talk so to be clear We went from me coming up certain that I was about to get in some draws to us having a conversation in her kitchen where, and I am not a pushover. I'm not like a rapist. I hate how this might be coming across. Uh, Once she told me I was too aggressive, okay, so clearly I'm not having sex today is where I was at mentally. Maybe that was still a chance. Maybe I could have begged my way to it. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, so I'm not having sex. I have wasted however long it took me to get here and however long it's going to take me to get back, which was 
probably like an hour and a half each way. So I've wasted three hours. I've wasted the time I was here. There was a dead body outside. I could, I could die on my way home. Okay. So, just so that I understand. And we basically had the conversation of like, what am I to you? And I appreciate her honesty because she was like, well, I don't know what you are. And I was like, okay, well, so that we're clear, I don't want to be your friend. And I have told that to many women in my life because I used to get friend zoned in high school. So I had to make it clear after that, I don't want to be your friend. And if you want friendship, that's cool. I don't hate you. I'm just not your friend. I didn't get your phone number to be your friend, and I'm not friendly. So, either you want something romantic, or you don't. Either way, it's cool. And, you know, it, it I don't want to say scares a lot of people off, but it, it definitely cuts like a, a samurai sword in case they thought there was a bridge of friendship. Shoop! No. No, I'm not your friend. But, at least that way, there is no confusion on their part. And I don't ever have to get told by some woman after liking them, liking them for a long time, oh, you know, we're really just friends. Like, I haven't had that speech given to me Ugh. in like nine or ten years. But with the exception of that one person, it's closer to 20. So then we end up talking and she's like, you know, I hadn't figured out what you were. You're you know, kind of like right in the middle of a friend and a lover, and I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be your friend, so I'm just going to go, because you don't have it figured out, and we have been out enough times, and to be honest, and I put it to her like it, and I would put it to anybody, I was like, look, I'm not going to date you for like three months before you sleep with me, just so that we're clear. And it is totally a woman's right, or whomever you're fucking, to say, well, I want to wait until whatever amount of time, or until I feel a certain way. That is totally your prerogative. But to the other person in that conversation, I empower you with, you don't have to go along with whatever somebody says. If they say time doesn't feel right, or ooh, it's a little too soon. If they want to wait six months, cool. You don't have to wait six months. And I have never had a problem telling people, like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's insane. But, can, you know, good luck to you. And God be with you on that journey. So I said all that to say that I felt a little bad. You can always see in the pedophiles' faces on To Catch a Predator. Like, they just put their six-pack down and spread out their condoms and lubricants and things on the kitchen table. They're excited because they got there. They can hear a pretty little voice like, I'm in the bedroom, I'll be right out. And they're like, oh, shit, I'm getting ready to nail this child to the walls. And then Chris Hansen comes out. And that come to Jesus moment. I mean, I can I can empathize for like half of that moment. And the other half, I don't want to understand. And I pray that I never know fear like it. Uh, because 
half of it, the half I understand, is like, man, I got all ready, I'm half chubbed right now, and I haven't jacked off in two days, waiting to fuck this kid silly, and here you are. And then I imagine that the other half is, my God, who else knows I'm here? And then I would assume after the show had been going and they understood, like, once you see Chris Hansen, your life is over. You're not going home. Because the sad ones are the ones who think, like, okay, I didn't do anything. You're not a cop. Let me just shimmy on out the side door and we're free. Oh, my God, look at all these police officers outside. And then those dudes cry and get taken down and then their families get told and whatnot, which has to be devastating for everyone involved. Like, oh, man, please don't tell my family, my wife and six children that I told them that I was going on a fishing trip with my friends, but I was actually getting all jazzed up to fuck the shit out of some kid. Who wants to have that conversation? I guess pedophiles. Again, wouldn't really know, but that sounds scary as shit. Plus, with the kind of time that you're looking at, now you're also unemployed, and that is very scary. Not as scary as the other consequences of their actions, but I just always, you know, I I felt bad for those pedophiles, but at the same time, I could never stop watching. Like, if I watched one video of To Catch a Predator, I'm falling down that rabbit hole, and I will be watching for the next several hours. I can still remember some of their faces. And the good thing about To Catch a Predator was, every time that I would start watching it, it reminded me, oh shit, I haven't checked on the pedophiles that live close to me in a while. Let's go ahead and see what we got. And it's generally the kind of faces you would expect. Really long mustaches, and beards and things with gangly teeth. The kind of people who look like they have long fingernails for no reason. Like you only need one coke nail. You don't need ten. It's gross. Oh, and uh, since they're doing the Judiciary Committee's meetings with uh, Trump's pick for the Supreme Court, I just want to say I really hope that abortion doesn't get abolished just because no matter what the law says, abortion's not going anywhere. If we can't get it done the right way, then people will just go back to using coat hangers and women asking friends to push them downstairs or feed them bad chicken. And I don't think anybody wants that. People are so strange given this whole time that we live in. I think that they're so desperate. Like, it's weird. People that I do not speak to who I would be shocked if they considered me their friends reach out and they're just like how's it going and I never know what to say because I'm like well we don't really talk like how bored must you be to be reaching out to basically a stranger now that's not to say that everyone is unwelcome especially because the people that I'm talking about wouldn't hear this but Like, okay, give you an example. There's a guy. Let's say every three 
maybe four months. He generally goes out of his way to like see how I'm doing. Now, for clarification, I do not really know this man. Yes, we have met on several occasions. An acquaintance would be what I would describe him as. But at first, it was, oh, I don't see you like posting as much on social media. But he said that multiple times, checking in. And I would say at least the first two, maybe even three times, my response was, I hate social media. That's why you don't really see me. I do stories. I just, I've, I've been over likes for a good three, maybe four years now. I don't care. If they see it, they see it. But I don't value myself based on how many likes a post or a picture gets. So then after that, it became, hey, just checking in. And I'm like, checking in on what? And part of me is like, okay, does he think because of my absence on social media that like life is horrible and I'm stringing myself up, getting ready to hang myself after I have killed my family? I don't know. But whenever he asks, how is everything? I take it negatively because I'm like, do you think I'm doing bad? Is that why you're checking in on me? Then there's another part of me that's like, he's probably bisexual or gay, and that's why he's reaching out. But regardless, I don't like it because life is fine. And if it wasn't, there are people that I can talk to that are actually like in my circle. But... There are other people who do this randomness. Another example, there was a cleaner at my previous job. She and I got along really well. Plus, I generally went out of my way to make sure that she was compensated fairly because I think a lot of people don't really care and they will pay you what they can get away with. There was even a point like we moved offices into a bigger space and I brought her and her translator in, and I was like, all right, you guys see the space. Uh, how much do you think that we should pay you a week to clean it? And she came back at basically the same price as she was charging us for the previous office space, which was like, I don't know, a fifth, and that might be being really generous of the size. I was like, if you're gonna clean something this much bigger, after they quoted me that price, I was like, okay, I hear what you said. Let's say she said 85 a week. I don't remember what it actually was. And I was like, okay, this is way bigger. So instead of 85, why don't we do like 150? Because that seemed fair. And I always tried to make her comfortable, blah. So then the quarantine hit. And she has reached out just to say, like, you know, how is everything? I think she gave me a gift when the office was closed for a really long time. And I didn't get a chance to get the gift, so she would text about that. And then it became just her texting every, like, few weeks, like, hey, how is your family? Okay. We, we would talk about each other's family. She had a toddler. I had a toddler. But... When I respond, oh, you know, my family's doing well. 
We're all just trying to make the most of our time at home. How are you and your family? No response. Then a few weeks later, another text from her. Hey, how is your family? And I stopped responding because, one, it's weird that, like, you're checking in. Two, you didn't respond the last time that I texted you, so go away. And then again, because she didn't respond and she's got me on this schedule of just checking in, and we're not friends, it just became really, like, weird and suspicious to me. I'm like, I don't know why you're contacting me. Again, she could be a bisexual or gay or something. Wouldn't make sense. I just wanted to say that again. Uh, But I was just like, you know what? Whatever it is that she's trying to get out of this relationship, no me gusta. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. A lot of people are TikToking and Zoom meeting and all this other stuff trying to keep themselves busy because a lot of us, especially in the New York area, are still at home. But, um, I don't know, don't just reach out to anybody. Some of us are actually really enjoying being shut out from the world. Like that South Park pandemic special, I'm totally Cartman because I'm fine. I don't want to strangle my family. I think that my wife and I are having a great time, with the exception of our screaming two-year-old. But aside from the fact that we're stuck indoors with a toddler, it's not bad. I don't really miss much. I don't need to go take a walk in the park and breathe in everyone's germs. I did actually download that... um, New York coronavirus thing, where basically it'll tell you, like, if you're standing next to somebody longer than 10 minutes who may have been exposed to it, it lets you know, like, you've been in contact with somebody that's been around that shit. You might want to go get checked. I like that. And now that I have it, like, I was always kind of on edge with people standing too close to me, period. But in the last, like, six, seven months, I've been even more so. Like I said, I've shoved a lot of Hispanic people in my neighborhood. And now I'm even more wary because I'm like, man, you are standing really close. Like I I was in the gym this morning and it was packed for some reason. It's weird. Tuesdays and Thursdays at the gym are so packed. But Monday, Wednesday, Friday, almost nothing. The weekends are great. I was kind of hoping that more people would be skeptical about returning to the gym just so that I could have more time to myself. Um, I'll share a picture that I took this morning. I don't think that it shows exactly how packed it was, but it was so packed, like, people were waiting in line to get stuff. And I was in this corner. The corner has almost nothing in it. There's one machine. I was on the machine There are two people, maybe four feet in front of me. There's another woman directly on the right of the machine, so she's like a foot away from me, just being smothered. It's like there's nowhere to go. I don't know how these people without masks do it. How have they not caught this and died already? It's madness. But yeah, enjoy, enjoy your quarantine. And if you're not, keep it to yourself. Satan here. I know it's been a minute. I've been busy. (laughs) Uh, Today's episode has been fun. 
but I thought that we would end this with a nice little guided meditation. It's been a minute since we got together and just breathed with one another. Broved with one another. Let's let's say broved from now on. Past tense of breathe. Uh, Alright, this is going to be a little guided meditation for setting yourself free. <clears throat> Welcome to the present moment. Before we begin, remind yourself that this time is for you and you alone. Allow no distractions, no worries, and no to-do lists to interfere with your time. Take a moment to make yourself comfortable where you are. Maybe straighten your back or trace gentle circles with your nose, relaxing your neck. Once you've reached a place of stillness, begin to deepen your breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. Again. Turn your awareness to the ground beneath you, firm, strong. As you continue to breathe, travel from the crown of your head down. Feel the crown grow light like a feather and then carry on down. The forehead, the mouth. Feel the rib cage loosen and float upwards. As you breathe, it becomes harder and harder to keep yourself anchored to the ground as your freed upper body pulls you upwards. Resist it as you travel on down through the arms and belly. When you reach your hips, visualize two tight locks begin to unscrew themselves and on the count of three, burst open. One. Two, three, go through the rest of your body and gently release it, thighs, knees, all the way down to your feet. Mental countdown from the big toe to the pinky, one, two, three, four. Feel that pinky loosen and let go. Five. You are free. All right, that was fun, everybody. I'll see you in hell or in a little bit, whichever comes first. Let's see it.